Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, if I sound funky or sound weird, it's because I'm not using my normal setup at home. I'm I'm back in Athens, Alabama for Thanksgiving. Uh, excited to be here, but quickly realized that the whole audio setup is not quite what it needs to be when, when you come home. But that, that's fine. We'll work around it. Um, what's incredible is that you always do it just talking into your cell phone for every yeah. episode and your audio ends up sounding pretty darn good for that. I've always been very shocked at, uh, it's a, it's a nod to the, the fine folks at Apple. No, I'm just, uh, I, I, you know, obviously working for on three, you know, that's, that's something you can do, you know, wherever you are. And, uh, my wife, uh, travels for work. So I go with her. And so I'm, or, we're often out of town. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, sometimes I'm at an office, sometimes I'm at my house, sometimes I'm at my mom's house, sometimes we're traveling. So, and, and of course in football season, we're in Tuscaloosa at our place up there frequently. So, uh, yeah, since I'm mobile, uh, I just need the phone and, and it works great. So shout out to, uh, to, to Aub Tim Cook on this Alabama Auburn week for, uh, making such good technology. Uh, Jimmy, that's not allowed, man. You can't say anything yeah. nice about anybody from Auburn. Uh, those are the rules. I don't make the rules. I just enforce them. So, look at yourself. My county. So, so he's 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 one of my homeboys. <laughs> no, it's a uh, it, it, it's a fun week, man. And I'll I'll tell you what, Bo Nix has already gotten things um, off to to quite the quick start with his comments yesterday about officials being uh, pro Alabama and and helping them out. Um, I was very shocked that he said it and then they pretty much gave him the opportunity to clarify or double down and he chose to double down. So do you think he makes that comment uh, or that response if he's the one out there taking snaps on Saturday? Uh, Probably not. But on the other hand, I don't think he thought through what he said in the first place. So maybe he would have, I mean, it's it's this week's big story now. Congratulations, Bo. Uh, You're not even playing the game and you're this week's, Big story uh, lends itself to a question that was a real brain twister for me. I just got asked by somebody else, and I'm having to give it some thought because, uh, I mean, maybe I'm the worst person to ask. Maybe you'll, you'll be able to spit out five or six of these. But during the Saban era, we're now talking about 14, 15 years of games, name the one, one call that went in Alabama's favor that was just clearly wrong. I mean, name one. And I was sitting there going, never? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I can't think of a call that I was mean, like, boy, we got away with one there. There there have been plenty of times where I thought to myself, oh, yeah, they." I feel like they, the refs got that one wrong. Alabama benefited from that. But it's never been – I'll tell you what, it's never been in a situation where, you know, and this is the funny part about Bo Nick saying that. Auburn benefited a lot last year 
from some calls. Um, and, and you look at the Arkansas, he was, he was talking about the Arkansas game against Alabama this past weekend, but you go back to the Arkansas-Auburn game last year, and, and you're talking about, you know, that, that what should have been, it was not a spike, it was a fumble. They call it a spike. Um, they're able to, to hang on to the football and end up winning the football game. That is one where you can point to and say, if, if the refs get that call correct, Auburn loses that football game, Arkansas wins. I can't think of any off the top of my head that had that kind of impact or that kind of result. Um, but, I mean, there have been – I mean, there were times in the Arkansas game where I thought, well, they, they missed that or, man, you know, they, uh, they got that wrong. That happens, but I, I never really do it in a one-sided way. There's always points in the football game where I'm saying that, you know, that they, you know, it was pro-Arkansas. Uh, and it was pro Alabama, and what, that's one thing that I've always taken pride in is that I'll get on Twitter and I'll I'll call it like I see it. You know, if it was pass interference, I'll hop in there and be like, "Yeah, he definitely got him." Um, if it was holding, if it was, you know, if they they call something that shouldn't have been called, I'll, I'll hop on there and say, "I don't think that was the correct call," because I I want to you know people to know that when I'm fighting for for something that's for Alabama and the fact that they're you know, uh, I feel like that a call is wrong. It's not viewed as being biased. You know, I, I've, you know, I, I think everybody knows um, with a lot of my tweets and stuff, I pick fun at other fan bases. I have fun with it. That's just how I, I do Twitter. When it comes to the actual analysis of the, of the game, I would tend to one rather be right than be biased. I don't think being biased does anything for you. I never have. And that includes, you know, calls and stuff. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's, a, that's an excellent point. It's something that I didn't think about. And it's just – he made it seem like it is, it is just blatantly, painfully obvious and that there's a, a call like that, you know, New Orleans Saints, um, you know, who were they playing a couple of years ago where they got completely screwed? Um, oh, yeah, the playoff game when the uh, pass interference yeah. changed, changed Pat, the way they called pass interference the entire next season. It was so bad. Uh, yeah, I, I, was it against Minnesota maybe? Uh, I was thinking Minnesota, but I don't think so now that I think about it. I can't remember. But anyways, you would think with the way Bo Nix was talking that there's three or four of those in a football game that, that benefit Alabama. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Very shocked that he said it in the first place. But I loved Bryce Young's response when he was asked about it because we were hopping on that Zoom meeting with, with Nick Saban yesterday and then players immediately followed and we got Will Anderson and we got um, you know, Bryce Young. And, you know, Bryce was that, – that broke literally right before Bryce Young got on. And, um, you know, somebody asked him about it, and he said, hey, that's an, what's what we call an external factor. We don't worry about that stuff here. And, and that's what you would expect from a quarterback, not what Bo Nix gave you. doesn't make Bo Nix, you know, a terrible person or anything. Um, just I thought it was interesting that that's the, the, the route he chose to take. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and getting back to that, that original question, there, there's no doubt per game there are calls that benefit Alabama that, that go in Alabama's favor in terms of you know bad calls uh but you know in, in my mind it's it's always been a 50 50 type thing uh and I can't personally recall a call that went in Alabama's favor that should not have been that decided the game right. I, I can't want I can't name okay one. the only one that you can maybe remotely argue is the offsides penalty on Georgia in the SEC championship? Ah, uh, uh, that's pretty good. That's, that, that's, that's good. the only yeah, and that took a lot of certain. Like as you were talking, I was yeah. sitting there trying to think of just one. That is one where you can say, okay, that made a pretty. But how long has that been? I mean, how often do those happen? We're we're having to go that far back to find something. And are are the the refs pro Auburn because they really they royally screwed up last year and helped Auburn beat Arkansas? 
that's not what we're, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, I'm, no. I'm saying that teams end up benefiting from that kind of stuff from time to time. And, and it, it, to me, it's, it's pretty balanced. I mean, now granted, you know, it, according to Bo Nix, anybody that has an unbiased view looking at it can see. And it's like, well, you know, uh, here's the problem. That means that if you, it, he sets it up for if you disagree with him, he can just call you biased. And, I mean, you know, if you're against Alabama, you're probably not going to disagree with him. If you're for Alabama, you probably are. His comments very favorably on the Auburn boards. I looked. I mean, he's not getting – the Auburn people aren't going, gosh, Bo, you shouldn't have said that. They were like, finally, someone said it out loud, what we've all whispered for years. And it's just insane. And especially from all from the fans of Auburn, <laughs> think Alabama gets calls. Uh, it's, it's just so crazy to me. Of course there's bad calls, but uh, no, we, we, we do. Alabama is the most penalized team in the SEC. Does that sound like we're getting a lot of help? from Birmingham we're the most penalized team in the league this year and the the number one thing that people argue uh, with that point is oh it's not about the penalties that are called it's about the time of the penalties and, and how beneficial they are to Alabama and how they impact the game and to me it's like okay first of all anybody you someone can watch that Arkansas Alabama game and people are coming out with one clear-cut view. They, they don't see how in the world anybody could see it any different. And then you have a different group of people who come out with a completely separate view. I mean, it's like, it's, I mean, we're not going to get into this, but it's like po- watching something political, uh, you know, that, that something that has to do with politics. People can watch the exact same thing and walk away with completely different opinions on what they just witnessed or what they just saw. And it's mind-blowing to me how opposite it can be. But what it is is you go in with a mentality a lot of times looking for a certain something and, and you find things to reinforce what you already believe going in. Um, so, I mean, maybe that could be something that we're doing with Alabama. Um, I don't think so. And I feel like that if it was, you know, I, I don't know. Um, already probably spent too much time on this, but it is interesting. It is a huge talking point this week. And TJ Finley potentially is going to be the one that pays the price for it. Now, I don't exactly trust Alabama to make him pay the price like they normally would. Um, you know, I thought LSU coming into Bryant-Denny Stadium after what Ed Orgeron did a couple of years ago, I thought Alabama was going to make him pay for that. They didn't. So uh, I'll refrain from guaranteeing that I think that uh, T.J. Finley is about to catch a beating for something Bo Nick said. But, um, you know, it is what it is. We'll, we'll see. What we've got going on today is we're going to be talking about the defense and what we thought about that side of the football against Arkansas on Saturday, we're going to be taking it position by position, exactly like we did yesterday with the offense. And then we're going to – I think we got maybe four questions, four mailback questions, and we're not going to spend a ton of time on them because we've already been, you know, spent 10 minutes talking about this other stuff. And I'm sure that these position breakdowns will take a little time as well. But uh, I did want to at least get a couple of mailback questions. And then tomorrow, we're going to be doing a couple of more mailback questions on top of talking about the college football playoff rankings um, and reacting to those. We'll be taking another couple of questions, two, three, four questions, and and uh, kind of breaking those down as well. So if you've got a question, certainly throw it in there. Uh, send it to me, at Clint R. Lamb, or uh, at Jimmy, at QB underscore country. You can DM it to us. You can just add us, you know, whatever you want to do, and we'll get it on tomorrow's episode, as long as there aren't too many of them. But, Jimmy, you ready to dive right into the position breakdowns? Heck yeah. All right, we'll start with the defensive line. What were your thoughts – um, you know, and, and 
I kind of broke up defensive line and edge rushers, but if you want to combine them, you can you can certainly do that. No, I'll just you know. Uh, I thought Mathis played really well. He was a staff player of the week. He's played well all year long. And for – look, here, here's what's kind of funny. You know, we, 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 we talk about this every week here, but so much of the game now we only play with two defensive linemen in the game because we play so much nickel rabbit, which means, you know, in our four-man fronts, two of the guys are outside linebackers and only two are defensive linemen. So we play so much of the game now with just two although sometimes we're in three three-man fronts. I think we've played more of that as the season progressed because we're playing teams that run the ball and Auburn runs the ball. So we're going to see some three-man defensive line groupings this week. But and since we play so much of it with two, and let's point out that Phil Mathis, in my mind, uh, deserves first-team All-SEC status. I don't know if he's going to make it. I'm, I'm not sure what all the competition is for it. I'm just saying Phil Mathis deserves it. He's played good enough, in my mind, to be a first-team All-SEC defensive lineman, and that's really half the lineup because so many times we're only playing with two. Uh, I think as the season's progressed, that group has been better. It's still not, in my opinion, as good as it should be or as good as it could be, but only Mathis plays at an all-conference level. I still think we're getting decent uh, help from LeBron Ray, who's played better and better as the season's progressed as he's gotten healthier. Uh, Tim Smith. Uh, has also, I think, played better. Uh, he subbed in for D.J. Dale, who got hurt in uh, pregame warm-ups this week. Uh, Byron Young has flashed at times. Uh, Justin Aboigbees, who's had, in particular, a very quiet uh, season. But uh, overall, I think this group has continued to improve. I, I, I'm just going to say for the season, I would call uh, what they've done adequate. And, uh, and, that, and that's what I would describe Saturday as from that group, adequate with uh with the special nod to Phil Mathis who continues to play well you know with with Mathis it's interesting because he he continues to be one of the most consistent pieces of Alabama's defense every week you kind of know what you're getting in him he's going to be a complimentary interior pass rusher he's going to be able to stop the run well and it seems like he's getting just a little bit better each and every week and you know when you Try to you know when you're trying to find things that opposing offenses are going to have to scheme against and and take into account. I think Fadarian Mathis, especially in the front seven, is one of the top guys that they're worried about. Um, you know, and and DJ Dell, he goes out with an injury pregame. Uh, it ended up being a knee injury, and we'll get more information probably from Nick Saban on that tomorrow night. Um, according to him, following the game. You know, it was more of a scare. He's had a lot of uh, surgeries on his knees, and you know, he had, he kind of tweaked something a little bit. Nick Saban seemed to think that it scared him. He, he did not want to comment on that definitively or say that definitively, but that's what they were thinking. I'll say this for for him just being scared and it being something that he just kind of tweaked. He was kind of walking around down on the sidelines um, at the end of the game when I was on the field, kind of hobbling around a little bit, had a limp. Um, so I don't know how bad it is. But uh, Tim Smith ended up starting in his place at nose guard. I thought he played pretty well. I wouldn't say he played great. Um, still having some consistency issues. I think he's going to end up being a Christian Barmore type player where he's showing a lot of flashes early in his career. And the main thing with him is just continuing to work towards being able to do that kind of stuff more consistently. Because if you can, you're going to be a very, very good defensive lineman. And he's probably a future first-round pick, uh, in my opinion, if he can continue to do that. But consistency – you know, what the number the number one thing is he's only gonna he's gonna typically be played in situations 
by the coaching staff in situations where they can trust that he can play with consistency. And so he's got to work. You know, he was forced into a more of a an every down role, and the fact that he handled it pretty well. Hopefully, the coaching staff uh, starts to trust him a little bit more. But I still think he's got some work to do in that area. Byron Young, I thought played a fantastic game. Uh, he's one that I don't feel like a lot of people are talking about. But I was, you know, I'd already watched it once on Sunday, and then last night um, before I went to bed, I don't know, I ended up pulling up the the game on my phone. And watching through it again, and, and I was really paying attention to the defensive line and, and Byron Young stopping the run. Uh, I think he played roughly about half the snaps, but I thought he was very good, very stout against the run. So I want to give him a shout-out for a pretty good performance in his uh, 50% roughly snap share. Uh, edge rushers, Will Anderson Jr., Dallas Turner, uh, kind of what are your thoughts on how those guys performed? Uh, a plus, A plus. Uh, <clears throat> well, certainly A plus for Will. I think Dallas gets an A plus uh, when you factor in his youth and, and and he comes into the season as our fourth outside linebacker at best and 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 now by the end of the season is proving that he's a high quality player at that position. Not just for being a true freshman, he's just a really good SEC outside linebacker. Uh, and, and Will, of course, is the best. I, I called him last night. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with this on the show. It's going to drive people crazy. Uh, I am I, now calling Will uh, the greatest football player alive today. And uh, I fully realize there are players in the NFL that are probably better than Will <laughs> as we speak. But by greatest player alive, uh, it, it's, it's sort, sort of a joke uh, if, if you think um, I'm really comparing Will to NFL players. But uh, there's just no question in my mind that he's the best player in college football. Uh, he's the best college football player. So I'm going to call him the greatest player alive. And for those that take my jokes too seriously, uh, you know, you're, you're just going to be miserable listening to me, I guess. But, but that, that's, 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 that's Will, the greatest player alive. Uh, he, he, he is phenomenal. Uh, I wasn't sure I'd ever see a Derek Thomas again in my lifetime at Alabama, but that's Will. He, he's, he's that good. He's that disruptive. And what he could be next year is just beyond my ability to comprehend. Well, and I'll give the coaching staff a lot of credit um, because, first of all, Will Anderson, you, you just – and I, I wanted to make this point on, on Twitter yesterday, and I did, but you normally see a lot of impactful edge rushers or interior defensive linemen who, despite the fact they're getting a ton of attention, they're able to rack up, you know, tackles for loss. They're able to rack up sacks. But the overall tackles, you know, you typically see those guys in the 40 or 50 tackle range. You might see some get up in the 60s. You got guys like Khalil Mack back when he played at Buffalo. He was uh, on pace if he would have continued to get a couple of more games where he would have broken 100 tackles. But it just doesn't happen very often. Right now, Will Anderson has 78 tackles. He's on pace for over 100 tackles or just under 100 if they just play 14 games. I think it's going to be 99.3 or something is what he's on pace for if they just play the guaranteed remaining three games they have, which is going to be against Auburn, against Georgia, and then if they don't make it to college football playoff, they'll have a bowl game. If Will Anderson Jr. plays in all three of those, he will be just under 100 tackles, and then if they make the college football playoff and they get that fourth game, or if he just kind of exceeds his averages a little bit more, which he has been lately, um, then, you know, he could certainly break it just in 14. But he's probably going to break 100 tackles, and it just seems like every week when you're going to look at the box score, you're seeing an edge rusher who 
can in a lot of ways be schemed out of, you know, game plans. You know, the, the, the offenses can really limit what they're able to do. If you look, go back and look at the national championship against Clemson back in 2018, Quentin Williams was a very disruptive player. And, you know, the way that Clemson went about, you know, getting Trevor Lawrence on the move, um, really limited the amount of impact that that Quentin Williams could have on the game, and you got Will Anderson who's on one side of the field, so that it's even easier to come. You just do a lot of stuff to the other side and make sure that he can't trail. And yet, Will Anderson Jr. is still making a lot of plays, and some of that has to do from what the coaching staff is doing as far as scheming him and 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 getting him some picks and and you know twists and things like that to try to get him in isolation. And he's just mauling guys, um, and so. Very impressed with him. And Dallas Turner, I don't think he looked quite as good as far as being a pass rusher as I had seen in some previous games. I still thought he was okay in that area. But against the run, he was fantastic. And, you know, we'll go ahead and mix in a mailbag question because it directly relates to the outside linebackers. Um, Trey on Twitter asked, is Drew Sanders going to get his starting job back? Well, uh, no. Uh, no, he's not. And, 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 I, I, and I don't mean that as any slight at Drew at all. I think. Drew Sanders is a high-quality player. I, I think he's very, very good. I just don't think he's as good as Will. And, he, and now I don't believe he's as good as Dallas Turner. Uh, that's a 100% compliment to Dallas Turner. And has enough to do with Drew's good enough to start for anybody in this country, including us, including Georgia. He, he's that good. He, he, he's a real good player. Uh, I think one of the funnest things we'll do all this offseason, Clint, is me and you need to figure out how to get – 31, 15, and 20 on the field at the same time and then submit that to, uh, to Nick Saban. <laughs> you know, once yeah. me and you uh, – Drew's a great player. He's just not as good as Dallas Turner, so I don't think we'll see him as much as we see Dallas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I'm right there with you, and that's exactly what I was going to say, and, and i got to be honest with you, if I had to guess, I'm guessing Drew Sanders isn't too happy about that. Um, he had worked his way into a starting role. He gets banged up, and now a true freshman, a guy that's younger than him, um, has moved ahead of him, and I don't think he's going to be giving up that job. Will Anderson is supposed to be back next year for his junior year, and so Drew Sanders, at the probably at the most, is going to be working in a rotational role. They might find some creative ways to get all three of them on the field to try to keep all three happy, but um, you know, if I had to guess, I would think that Drew Sanders probably is not too happy with the way things worked out. But that doesn't mean that he's not taking a very positive, helpful approach. Uh, I, I couldn't speak on that. It's just you got to think about it from his perspective. Um, sure. You know, he was kind of I, – I didn't get a ton of playing time last year. He probably wouldn't have gotten a lot of playing time. I mean, I, I'd be curious to see how they got Dallas Turner and Drew Sanders into the mix – if, if Christopher Allen was still healthy because last year it was all of those two guys. Now, granted, they had already said they were planning on getting Drew Sanders more in the mix this year. But, uh, you know, this the snap share uh, or the stra snap distribution there would have been extremely um, interesting to watch. But I, I think that Drew Sanders is a good player. I think he does a lot of things well. But I think Dallas Turner, I think he provides a much higher ceiling as far as being a pass rusher. I've talked about it a lot on this show 
that I feel like that uh, Drew Sanders kind of is – that's probably his biggest knock is that he's an okay pass rusher and he's still developing in that area. But he, in my opinion, he doesn't have an extremely high ceiling. Uh, but he does a great job dropping in coverage. He does a good job against the run. He's a hustle player. So great guy to have on your defense. But um, I'm just not entirely sure that Dallas Turner is going to be giving up that job anytime soon, regardless of, you know, how healthy uh, Drew Sanders ends up getting. But I do think he's going to be a part of, of you know, the, the rotation there. So, all right, uh, next group that we're going to be talking about, the off-ball linebackers, Henry Toto, Christian Harris, Henry Toto, 13 tackles, three tackles for a loss and two sacks. He was named SEC Defensive Player of the Week. He led both teams in the game in tackles. Um, it, I mean, does it not feel like to you that he's getting a lot more comfortable out there? Yeah, definitely. He's playing a lot better. I think Christian Harris is playing better now than he was earlier. I think, you know, a lot of fans, they just make up their minds so early, and then you can't change their minds. And I would agree that in September, neither one of those guys were playing well. I, I, I don't know why. It was well, why? I don't know. Same reason a Major League Baseball player, you know, goes, goes 0 for 26 in June all of a sudden after, after hitting the ball well, and then he hits the ball well later. And then I, I don't know why players don't play well at times. It's just sports. It's just sports. You're, you, you're, you're not always playing your best. Um, but now they are. I, I think both are playing well, and, and it was frustrating for me. I, I posted Henry's stat line right when the game was over because I was so impressed by it. Uh, and it got a lot of likes, but also got a few comments of because I think some fans made up their mind in September that Henry was overrated and not very good. And, and now that Henry is good, uh, all they want to talk about is the mistakes because there were mistakes. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, there'll be mistakes for off ball linebackers that have to read. They make a lot of decisions. You know, it's not like a pass rusher or a cornerback. Um, they have to make a lot of decisions about how they're going to play certain formations and plays, and those decisions aren't always right. And when you make a wrong decision, it, it's pretty obvious to the fans that you missed. And, and uh, I, I think there's just way too much negativity about those two now. It might have been deserved at one point in the season. But today, as we speak, I think the off-ball linebacker position for Alabama is a real asset to the team. I do too. I really do. Um, I like where Henry Toto is at. I like where Christian Harris is at. Both of those guys made plays, um, you know, and they've both been good off ball blitzers. They've both been good against the run. I still think there's some things to work on from a coverage standpoint, um, but I think they're improving in that area. You know, you never want to see Christian Harris being, be in the wrong position. Now seeing a linebacker covering a running back, that's not some kind of huge mismatch. Like, how did you get in this situation? That actually happens quite a bit. But apparently yeah. the way that Alabama's defense was supposed to react, according to Nick Saban, Christian Harris should have never been covering uh, Rocket Sanders out there at receiver on the perimeter. And Rocket Sanders ends up t- uh, catching that last final touchdown uh, for Arkansas to close the gap to seven. Um, so right. you know, it was that Christian Harris's fault. Was that somebody else yeah. that told him to go out there? Um, you know, it was just a – you know, miscommunication defensively. They're still having those issues. It is still a concern, but I think that he overall he's playing pretty well. And, um, you know, with, with Henry Toto, yeah, I think the big thing that's going to stand out to a lot of people is the, the fact that he started celebrating the fourth down or the right. third and one. I think it was third and one before actually uh, making the stop. And, of course, everybody, you know, it's like anything. If you're not – a you know if you're if you're not a Bryce Young fan going into the year 
every little mistake that he made, that's what you were honing in on. Um, you know, this guy's ter- terrible because of this, you know, with, with Henry, you're all you're doing is you're looking for the bad and you are ignoring the good. Um, and so I think he's been playing pretty well. I think he's been getting a lot better. He looks more comfortable. He looks a lot more comfortable communicating pre-snap. I pay attention to him a lot. I played the linebacker position. That's what I played. Always been pretty fascinated with it. Um, and just I, I love – because that was kind of my thing. Not really a great coverage guy. If you look at me, you completely understand that. Okay against the run. Um, really took pride in, in being able to dissect and, and analyze and, you know, pre-snap, post-snap, things like that. So I pay attention to that stuff with other guys. One of the biggest reasons that Ray Lewis is one of my all-time favorite players because what he was able to do from a mental standpoint, pre and post snap, especially pre snap. I mean, watching him and Peyton Manning and those those mind battles, you know, calling audibles, calling checks uh, before the snap. I, mean, I used to love watching the Colts and the Ravens uh, every time they played. But um, Henry's gotten a lot better with his communication and just being comfortable in Alabama's defense, and he's certainly playing like it. Uh, the final position that we're going to talk about is are are the defensive backs and we're going to do it very quickly because we kind of covered them yesterday uh, especially Josh Joe we won't spend too much time on that but Jalen Armour Davis played well Um, you know I thought Jordan Battle uh, there were a couple of times in coverage where I thought he could have done a little bit better but he's getting you know he's he's flying to the football he's adding you know support against the run Um, I think it was DeMarco Hellams missed you know on that third and 16 run uh, by KJ Jefferson terribly terrible whiff tackle um by by DeMarco Hellams that's one of those things that we've kind of seen at times it 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 just with him it happens uh and it was very costly in that moment uh allowed them to extend the drive but what were your kind of thoughts on the defensive backs well it's kind of you know I, I think between the three levels of defense the line the linebackers and the DBs I, I think this game sort of brought into focus for me that, you know, if I'm going to be negative and disappointed about a group all year long, it'd probably be that DB group. I, I'm not sure any of them outside of Jalen Armour Davis had great years. Um, you can't say Job had a great year because very possibly he's now benched for the remainder of the senior season. It's kind of hard to say that Job had a great year based on that alone. Now at the same time, I don't think Job was terrible. Uh, I, I just don't know that he's as good of a player as Kool-Aid McKinstry is now. Um, I don't know that any of the guys in the middle of the field have had great years. Battles had a good year, but there's also been a lot of mistakes. But, uh, gosh, how do you explain? I, I, I don't know about Malachi Moore and Brian Branch have just not played well to me all year long. Yeah, and, and it's, it's unfortunate um, because if you would have looked, you know, everybody was thinking that if there was going to be a cornerback that Kool-Aid took their spot, it was going to be Jalen Armour Davis going into the year. Everybody thought that Josh Joe was going to be the guy who had that position locked down. It was the, the conversation is who is going to start opposite Josh Job, And then also, you know, Malachi Moore to a lot of people was considered the best defensive back that Alabama had. That's over Jordan Battle. That's over Josh Job, Jalen Armour Davis, Daniel Wright, DeMarco Hellams, Brian Branch. Um, you know, Malachi Moore was that one that was ascending. He was a, a you know, difference maker. He was, he was creating turnovers. He was flying around. He was making an impact, you know, blitzing off the edge. He was making an impact against the run. He was good in coverage. Don't really know what's happened with him. It's even more shocking to me what's happened with him than Josh Job. Um, but, you know, it, I guess it is what it is. Um, it, but like I said, Jordan Battles played well. Jalen Armour Davis has played well. Brian Branch 
has played uh you know he's kind of struggled a little bit at times kind of like Jordan Battle but I think overall he's played pretty well it's just the problem is 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 in the secondary if you have one weak link or two quarterbacks and passing attacks can take advantage of that you can try to do things to mask it and help those guys out but not really in Alabama's defense where they got you know that they're going to do what they're going to do and they expect their guys to be able to make plays and it, but it also opens them up for, for guys to get beat and we saw against Traylon Burks um, Josh Joe got beat you know a couple of times he got beat a couple of times uh, by other guys and you know Malachi Moore same thing and Malachi made a couple of, of decent plays um, but you know, I am relatively concerned about the secondary. If there was a, a spot on defense or a, a position group on defense that I'm concerned about, it's the defensive backs. On the offense, it's the offensive line. If they get those two things fixed, I think they can win a national championship. Um, and even if they don't, I still think it's possible. But they, you know, I think it's time to start injecting some of that youth, um, whether it be, you know, and, and Nick Saban's already said, we don't plan on making really any more changes with the offensive line, barring injury. Um you know, I I think at receiver, I think Alabama's starting to inject a little youth. I think with the defensive backs, you're starting to see it a little bit, and I think that's going to benefit them overall uh, moving forward. So we'll get to the mailbag questions now, and we only have three of them left, and hopefully we can get to all of them. We only got just a few minutes here. But Garrett on Twitter asked, speaking of those receivers, do we start to see some of the younger receivers start to make an impact due to playing – due to the playing time Brooks and Leary received against Arkansas? Uh, yeah, I mean, especially Brooks, uh, especially Brooks. Hey, I, I meant to ask this because I, I miss this. Uh, I, I have not seen the full replay of Arkansas, although I've seen a lot of it, but not the full. On the Leary touchdown, I believe he came out. This, this is just my – and, again, I only saw it live, and I wasn't paying a lot of attention <laughs> pre-snap. I believe when we lined up, Leary was lined up outside, not at running back. He was out, lined up outside to the left and then came in motion around uh, Bryce. And then, and then Bryce – in other words, my point is, at no point in that play did Leary line up in the backfield like a running back, right? Wasn't he lined up left? Well, um, so what I think happened is, is he was lined up as a receiver on the opposite side, and he came in motion, and then he exactly. came back behind uh, Bryce Young, and then he flared out from there. If I'm but not did mistaken, he get that in the backfield, or did he just go in motion and never get set back there? I don't, I, I think he went in motion and never got set. I guess my whole point is this: because he lined up initially outside. I think all of our fans are like Leary got a rep or got a snap as a wide receiver in the game. I, I don't think that's true. Leary was the only running on the field, and we frequently line up B-Rob out there. I, I, I think, in other words, I know where Leary was lined up. I know where he caught the ball. I think Leary was in the game as the running back even though I realize he didn't line up where the running back lines up. Neither does B-Rob B sometimes does the same thing. He lines up outside, comes in motion, and then lines up in the backfield before the ball is snapped. I'm just saying, to me, I'm just interested, was Leary in the game for, for four, <laughs> or was he in the game as one of the wide receivers? And I think he was in as a running back, though at no point did he line up in the backfield. You know what I'm saying? Because Leary's yeah. been practicing at running back. Yeah, so they had you know it was a it was an empty set trips right uh, trips bunch right 
Um, none of those were, were Brian Robinson left. Uh, it was um, Jamison Williams, if I'm not mistaken, on the perimeter to the left of Bryce. And then it was uh, Christian Leary lined up in the slot and they put him in motion. So there was no running back on the field. It was five receiver. And to me, you know, typically when they go five wide and they go empty sets, Brian Robinson's one of those guys lined up wide. Exactly. That's exactly. So no one's going to care about that but me because I'm such a nerd idiot. But Larry was in the game at running back. And and, and I think people are like, no, you idiot. He's lined up in the slot as a receiver. But no, no. If Brian was still on the field lined up outside, I would say Leary was with the receiver group. But there was no Brian Robinson, and we very rarely line up truly without a running back on the field. Sometimes we're empty, but the running back is lined up out wide. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, it's just interesting to me. Leary's been pressed running back. To me, to me, Leary was in the game as a running back. So, that was a long way of answering the great question, but I would say Leary wasn't even in as a receiver. So I don't think we're going to see more of him as a wide receiver, but we might see more of him as, hey, look, you know these plays that we normally use, Brian, as a receiver? Why don't we just go with Leary? Because he's better at that than Brian is. You know, He's more of a threat. Uh, he's more of a threat lined up out wide so we might see more of that because it really worked well and also Leary is a tremendously tough matchup uh you know here's one thing you do when we could come out on the field gosh I could spend an hour on this we could come out in the field with Leary lined up literally as a running back and two tight ends let's say we come out with with two tight ends Latu and Kendall Randolph and Leary in the backfield the other team will respond to that by probably being in regular. They're, they probably won't even – why be a nickel if we have two tight ends and a back in the game? But then we can take Leary in motion and line him up in the slot. He's probably being covered by a linebacker if we do that. In other words, what I'm saying is I wonder if we're going to get creative with trying to get matchups with Leary uh, who could really destroy people uh, as a back out of the backfield uh, when you can manipulate what personnel the def- the defense is using. Yeah, I, I certainly think that that's a possibility. And I think that, you know, just the way that they used him on that touchdown, uh, putting him in motion, and he was kind of supposed to be the safety net, wasn't supposed to really do a whole lot. And Bryce Young, uh, that's exactly what he did. He, he, he bought time, and he found an open Leary, and they were able to create, uh, you know, a score out of it. So I think that Bill O'Brien caught a pretty good game uh, on Saturday. Um, are there things that I would change? Yeah, I talked about it yesterday. I feel like that uh, they ran to the right a little bit. Uh, and they're trying to keep defenses honest and not have too much of a tell. Uh, but they were having just so much success running to the left. I thought, you know, you can change it up a little, every once in a while and run to the right just to keep defenses honest. But, you know, they, they were there for a while. It was almost – first of all, early in the game they were – pro running right you know pretty heavy and then they got to where they were running left quite a bit probably a little bit more than to the right but at that point it was kind of balanced or it felt balanced and I thought this shouldn't be you know it I I think that like a 70-30 split would be totally fine here Um, they were just doing absolute work running it to the left Uh, whether it be off the guard whether it be off the tackle whether it be wider than that um, you know and so I think they should probably do that a little bit more maybe they just didn't want to put that tail on film for teams like Georgia and stuff, maybe they will rely on, you know, running behind their hog and, uh, you know, no, no pun intended, playing the 
the Razorbacks, but, um, you know, running behind Evan Neal. But that's going to do it for today's episode. What I think we should just do is throw these last two questions on tomorrow's mailbacks. We've already run a little bit long, and, and the college football playoff reaction, we'll spend 10 minutes on it or so, but just the position breakdowns, having to break all of them down, that took a little longer uh, than I anticipated. And so they kind of put us behind the eight ball, but we'll certainly get these questions that were asked uh, on tomorrow's, you know, part two mailbag, I guess you call it. And then we'll be getting to Auburn uh, on Friday. And we might, you know, it, we, you and I might go ahead and record it tomorrow and just go ahead and knock it out. And sure. if we do that, then we could put it out on Thursday. And for the people that want to listen on Thanksgiving, if you got the time, you can go ahead and listen to it. And for the people that can't, if you want to listen to it on Friday or you want to you know, listen to it on the way to Auburn on Saturday or before the game, just whatever you want to do, but maybe put it out a day early to give, you know, people plenty of time to kind of get caught up with it. But Jimmy, as always, I appreciate you hopping on here with me and we will do this again tomorrow. Fun stuff. Wait, love the mailbag. I like getting our, uh, our, our listeners involved in the show and thanks everybody for sending in questions and, uh, and listening. Uh, we, we, we have a lot of fun uh, recording this for you, for you guys and uh, really appreciate our listeners and subscribers to the on three Bama on three site. Absolutely. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Bama on three show. We'll be back tomorrow. This is your host, Clint Lamb.